Hi again, everybody. I'm Dan Horde, and thanks for downloading the Bengals Booth Podcast, the Chit-Chit Changes edition, as we get to know two young coaches who have earned promotions on the Bengals staff, new quarterbacks coach Brad Cragthorpe and new safety secondary coach Jordan Kovacs. The Bengals Booth Podcast is brought to you by Paycor, proud to be the Bengals' official HR software provider. By Alta Fiber, future-proof fiber internet, designed to elevate your home, business, and community to a new level. And by Kettering Health, the best care for the best fans. Kettering Health is the official health care provider of the Bengals. Now, here's a quick reminder that you can have the latest edition of this podcast delivered right to your phone, tablet, or computer by subscribing wherever you get your podcasts. It's the greatest thing since drivers who are ready at a light. We all have pet peeves. Here's one of my biggest, and it happened to me yesterday. You're in a line of cars at a stoplight. The light turns green, and the person at the front of the line just sits there and sits there. And by the time that person finally hits the gas, you don't make it through the light. Come on, people. We're all in this together. Green means go. Rant concluded. Now, let's get to football. When Brian Callahan landed the Tennessee Titans head coaching job, it created a domino effect on the Bengals staff. Dan Pitcher was promoted from quarterback's coach to offensive coordinator, and now his spot has been filled by Brad Cragthorpe. If the last name sounds familiar, his dad, Steve, was the head coach at Louisville and Tulsa, and his grandfather, Dave, was the head coach at South Dakota State, Idaho State, and Oregon State. At the middle of those stops, he gave Marvin Lewis his first coaching job. I spoke to 31-year-old Brad Cragthorpe, this week. Brad, your father and your grandfather were college football head coaches, so you know what you were getting into when you chose the coaching life. What drew you to this profession? Uh, really everything involved with it. Uh, initially, I wanted to play for as long as I could, and then once I realized that I wasn't going to be able to play as extensively as uh, I ultimately wanted to, I knew that I was eventually going to be uh, drawn to coaching. And so getting to be around my dad and my grandpa too, but my dad more specifically every day growing up. And I was fortunate that he got to be a head coach when I was in middle school and high school, kind of formative years. Uh, that really led to me falling in love with the profession and uh, being around the program, getting to go to practices, going to meetings with him and uh, doing all those things that not a lot of, the, a lot of other kids had the opportunity to do. Um, I, uh, I fell in love with it then and, and knew that this was uh, certainly going to be my calling. You've been with the Bengals since Zach Taylor's been the head coach. What was the connection? How did you land that initial spot? So Zach was on the staff at Texas A&M in 2010, and my dad had just gotten let go at Louisville and had joined that staff for just the offseason, so the spring and the summer. And we initially weren't going to be moving down to College Station as a family, and so I was going down there during the summer to go to all the camps and uh, just hang out with my dad. And Zach, again, was a GA on that staff. And so uh, he was coaching me in a lot of those camps that I was going to. And then during my downtime, I was just hanging out up at the facility in the offensive staff meeting room. 
Zach was the guy that his setup and, and uh, computer and his whole office setup was in there. And so I ended up hanging out uh, quite a bit with Zach and uh, knew that, again, whenever I uh, was graduating from college and wanted to get into coaching, he was one of the first people I hit up. And uh, it was when he was the offense coordinator at UC. And I uh, initially was trying to get on his staff here as a GA. It didn't work out then, but we were able to reconnect three years later. What's it like working here? It's outstanding. Um, I think this is the best organization in the NFL. Um, we have a very unique setup in uh, the ownership group that we have and their relationship and familiarity with the game and understanding and perspective in the game. And um, the family-like atmosphere, I, I think, is second to none here. Um, everybody uh, is truly connected from the top down. And uh, I think that's that starts at the top with Mr. Brown, and then um, it, it trickles all the way down through the rest of the organization. And it's something that is intentionally cultivated and something I'm really, really proud to be a part of. We're visiting with Brad Cragthorpe. You played quarterback. You're a quarterback's coach now. But you have been working with other positions uh, in your time here in Cincinnati, including a two-year stint as the assistant wide receivers coach. Was that challenging for you, having been a quarterback, and has it helped your development? Um, it certainly helped my development in terms of uh, viewing the game from different perspectives. Um, like you said, playing quarterback growing up my entire life, I really viewed the game through that lens um, primarily uh, all the way up until I graduated from college. And so getting into the receiver room, being involved with the tight ends for one year in my career um, has really opened my eyes to different uh, areas of offensive football and different ways uh, that potentially issues could pop up, issues could be resolved, and uh, certainly gave me a broader perspective and one that I'm appreciative for um, when it comes to the totality of offensive football that maybe not quarterback, maybe quarterback might not specifically always see, but um, is something that he needs to be aware of. So during training camp, we will see you as the quarterback's coach conducting drills with the quarterbacks, but there's obviously a lot more to the job than working on their fundamentals. Your predecessor, Dan Pitcher, was closely involved with the third down package every week over the past few years. What all encompasses the job of quarterbacks coach in this organization? Well, I think first and foremost, it's getting the quarterback prepared to play his absolute best on Sundays. Um, it starts with that, and then from there, it's uh, daily improvement in all areas of the quarterback position for those guys, um, finding different ways that we can improve on the field, off the field, and then obviously game planning is a big portion of that as well. Like you said, uh, Dan was heavily involved in the third down plan. We're still working through all the responsibilities and who's going to be doing what when it comes to game plan responsibilities next year, but um, that's certainly a part of it that I'm looking forward to as well. You are obviously going to be working closely with Joe Burrow, and you got to know Joe before you got to Cincinnati. You were on the staff at LSU back in 2018. That was the year that he transferred from Ohio State to LSU, and he hadn't played in a few years at that point. What did Joe show you in that first year at LSU? A lot of the things that you're seeing now. Um, leadership was the first thing that immediately jumped out at you, is his ability to authentically uh, connect with his teammates and the way that uh, his teammates were drawn to him and followed his example, which is not something that you typically see from a transfer. So that was very unique. You saw the toughness 
you saw the decision-making ability, and you saw the accuracy as a passer. And those are all uh, traits that I think he is elite at and uh, ones that uh, have really propelled him to have the career that he's currently having. Were you at all surprised the following season? You weren't there anymore, but when he had the Heisman Trophy season and led LSU to an undefeated national championship campaign. I was not surprised by that, no, (laughs) Uh, which might be surprising to hear. But you could see, like you said, he hadn't played a lot of football up until that point. So that first season, there was an element of knocking the rust off. And we had a lot of young players, including Jamar Chase um, and Justin Jefferson and Clyde Edwards-Hilaire that hadn't played a lot of football themselves, college football at that level. And so we knew and we saw as that season progressed in 2018 and we continued to get better and better and better on offense that with all of these guys returning the next year that we were ready to explode. We're chatting with Brad Cragthorpe, the Bengals' new quarterbacks coach. The head coach at LSU back then was Ed Orgeron. I got to know Ed a little bit when he was the defensive line coach at Syracuse about 30 years ago. What was it like to work for Coach O, and what did you learn from him? It was a unique experience and one that I'm very grateful for. Um, Predominantly, more than anything else, I learned how to be a great recruiter under Mm -hmm. Coach O, which is a vital part of being a good college football coach. Um, I learned the effort and the preparation and everything that goes into recruiting um, that you might not naturally see that goes on behind the scenes. Um, so that was first and foremost uh, the, the, the thing that I learned from Coach O. And then beyond that, I learned how to motivate. He, in my mind, is one of the best motivators um, in all of, uh, was one of the best motivators in all of college football whenever he was uh, coaching at LSU. And he understands how to connect with guys and uh, force them to bring the best out uh, in themselves. And that's something that I, I, I took with me from uh, my experience with him. You obviously don't recruit in the same way in the NFL as you do in college, but there's some recruiting involved, whether it's the college free agency process for guys that don't get drafted or actual free agency. Money's obviously a key there, but do some of those recruiting lessons from Coach O apply now? Um, In some ways, yeah. I mean, like you said, uh, there's a recruiting element involved uh, after the draft with some of the college free agents. There's a recruiting element involved with uh, pro free agents. Um, But more than anything, it it taught me about the depths of all the areas of coaching that you might not necessarily see at face value. And so um, the depths of what it takes to be a great recruiter, the effort, the preparation, and everything that goes into it, I think applies across a lot of levels of being a coach. Let's get back to Joe Burrow for a second. What's it take as a coach to earn his trust and respect? Um. I think it takes a couple things. I think that it takes knowledge of the position and the offensive scheme. I think displaying that you have a great understanding of what we're doing and why we're doing it um, is really all that Joe wants in a coach is someone that can guide him and help him make the best decisions on Sunday. And then showing that you care about him, um, showing that you always have his best interest at heart and displaying that – that ultimately you always just want what's best for him. And uh, I think that that's something that, uh, that he cares a lot about. After he suffered his wrist injury last year, Jake Browning stepped in and did a terrific job. The team went 4-3 and three in the games that he started. He got a passer rating over 98. What impressed you most about Jake Browning when he stepped in as the starting quarterback? 
his poise, his composure, and his ability to distribute the ball to all of the great skill players that we have, um, which is something that we all expected Jake to do. It may have seemed like a surprise to people on the outside, but uh, whenever Jake got his opportunity, uh, the way he played was not a surprise to anybody in this building, including his teammates. And so um, Jake has a great understanding of uh, how to play the quarterback position and offensive football as a whole, and he understands the big picture of everything and his ability to distribute, make great decisions and distribute the football is as good as a lot of starters in this league. So as we do this interview, the Bengals announced a little while ago that A.J. McCarron has been released. So the Bengals are going to be in the market, I would think, for a young developmental type third string quarterback. Will you be involved in, in scouting college players and possible free agents? I think so. Yeah, I'm, I've kind of begun that process already and am trying to find some guys that potentially fit the mold of what we're looking for. Um, we'll see what that looks like as this evaluation process unfolds over the next month or so. Um, but yeah, we're, we're certainly looking for a guy that, that uh, fits uh, what we want to bring into our quarterback room. Let's talk a little bit about the Bengals' offense. The team finished 16th in points scored last year. You only had a healthy Joe Burrow for five games. Are there any obvious things that you think the offense must do better in 2024? Um, I think that we can be more explosive as a unit, um, whether that's in the run game or the pass game. I think that's something that uh, was really beneficial for us in 2021 and 2022 is our ability to create explosive plays on a consistent basis. And um, that wasn't always a strength of ours last year. And I think that would be uh, an example of something that we uh, need to get back to moving into 2024. All right, let's turn the clock back with you a little bit. You were a backup quarterback at LSU and the holder on field goals and PATs, and you were involved in one of the great trick plays of all time. 2015, LSU versus Florida. Both teams are undefeated. Both teams are in the top 10. The game is tied at 28 in the fourth quarter. You pick up the story from there. Uh, yeah, that's uh, one of the benefits of being a holder on a less Miles coached <laughs> team uh, is – there's always a potential. Uh, first of all, we always have a bunch of fake field goals that are in the plan each week, and there's always a potential that one of them's going to get called in a high-pressure moment like that one. Um, and so credit to Coach Miles. He decided to uh, pull that one out, and uh, we were able to execute it well. And our kicker, uh, Trent Domain, uh, was able to outrace their guys to the end zone, and uh, the rest is history. Now, I'm, I'm going to describe your role a little bit. You're there on a knee, ready to hold. You catch the snap. You put the ball down as if the kicker's about to approach it and kick it. But in the meantime, he is sprinting out to the left. So you sell the fake. Then you throw the ball sideways, and he runs in untouched for the TD. Mm-hmm. How nervous were you in front of 102,000 people in Death Valley knowing that you've got to sell this fake and make the throw? In the moment, you really aren't that nervous. Maybe jogging out there, you feel the butterflies a little bit. But once you get out there, you're looking for a a certain criteria, a certain formation that you want the defense to be in, and that's really your main focus. And then, uh, you know, once the ball hits your hands, uh, you just do what you're coached to do, and you make the throw. There really wasn't a whole lot of nerves involved with it. Um, The the only thing that was a little bit nervous or nerve-wracking about that play is that it was a, a backward pass, and so 
if it would have hit the ground, it would have been a fumble, and then I would have became a defender and potentially had to go make a tackle, <laughs> which uh, was would have been a lot more nerve-wracking than just making a simple 15-yard throw. So if I'm in Baton Rouge and I drop your name at a bar, what's the likelihood that a rabid Tigers fan is going to go, oh my gosh, 2015, LSU, Florida? There's a chance. Uh, there's a chance. I don't know. Um I don't feel like my accolades at LSU were really all that impressive, but um, yeah, there, there's a chance that someone might recognize me, my name. So you have ascended to quarterbacks coach here with the Cincinnati Bengals. Zach Taylor was a quarterbacks coach. He's obviously an NFL head coach. Brian Callahan was a quarterbacks coach elsewhere. He's now the head coach of the Tennessee Titans. Is that the ultimate goal in your future? It is. It is. Um, it is my ultimate goal to become a head coach in the NFL. Um, and I feel very fortunate to be in the position that I am right now. And uh, it, it's a multi-step process. And I'm, I'm, my sole focus right now is just being the best quarterback coach that I can for the Cincinnati Bengals. Um, but, yeah, ultimately I, I do have um, the, the goal of being a head coach in this league at one point in time, yeah. I know you've worked very hard for this. Congratulations on the opportunity and best of luck going forward. Thank you, Dan. I really appreciate you having me. The Bengals Booth Podcast is brought to you by Paycor, proud to be the Bengals' official HR software provider. By Alta Fiber, future-proof fiber internet designed to elevate your home, business, and community to a new level. And by Kettering Health, the best care for the best fans. Kettering Health is the official health care provider of the Bengals. In addition to Brian Callahan leaving for Tennessee, the Bengals also lost a member of the defensive staff as safeties coach Rob Livingston left to become Deion Sanders' defensive coordinator at the University of Colorado. Rob's spot has been filled by Jordan Kovacs, who's been on the staff for the last five years after playing in the NFL for the Miami Dolphins. I talked to Jordan about his background, as well as the young safeties he'll be coaching this year. Jordan, you are from the Toledo area. You played college football at Michigan. Congratulations on the national championship, by the way. Uh, your dad is also a former Wolverine who was a reserve under Bo Schembechler. Was that your childhood dream to play football there? Yes. Uh, you know, I grew up in the big house, I'd say. Uh, we grew up with season tickets, so uh, every home game we were in the big house, myself, my dad, my brother, uh, and yeah, it was, uh, it was a lifelong dream to play football there. And the road to get there was a little whiny, a little curvy at times, but it ultimately worked out. Well, let's talk about the road because you eventually became a captain and an all Big Ten safety, but you started out as a walk-on. Did you have opportunities elsewhere? No, I didn't. You know, not really. I would say uh, D3 schools had been calling um, Division two schools. I went up to Hillsdale College and worked out at this point, you know, by my senior year of high school, I was really just kind of looking for any offer just to more or less say I had an offer. Um, I went up to Hillsdale College and worked out, and they didn't offer. They said I could walk on there. And um, by that point, I was pretty set on, you know, once I got into school at Michigan, I'll, I'll try out for the team. Whatever it takes, I want to play football at Michigan. And, yeah, sure enough, that's how it worked out. I got into Michigan and, and, and was invited to an open student body tryout the, day, the first day of school at 6 in the morning. And, uh um, you know, there's probably a lot to the story. I don't want to bore you, but the first trial I made it failed the physical. So I had to come back six months later after the season and retry out, 
um, for, for my second semester there. And, and I made that tryout, went through spring ball, and then uh, was on the team after that. Why did you fail a physical? <laughs> Tor- <laughs> torn meniscus. Mm-hmm. Yeah, slightly torn meniscus. So I had an arthros- arthroscopic surgery my senior year of high school, um, and it still wasn't feeling great. And I probably disclosed a little too much information in the physical. <laughs> And uh, learned the hard way. So then I was sent home. I had to have a second knee surgery and uh, got it taken care of, though, and retried out, you know, the next January. So when you have a path like that, walk on to eventual team captain, all-league player, eventually the NFL will cover that at at some point. Does that influence your approach to things to this day? Yeah, I mean, sure, you know, uh, I don't take anything for granted. You know, I know how hard it is took to become a player really at Michigan and then you know even more work to play in the NFL and now you know as a coach and I just feel like um you know I've just tried to work hard and earn every everything that that's come my way and I've taken pride in that and you know it's just everything that my my parents instilled in me from day one is just to work hard and be tough be respectful be kind and be a good person and and good things happen and um you know I think that's more or less been the story of my journey. You played on a team that beat Ohio State. Uh, you played on a team that won the Sugar Bowl. What was the highlight of your entire Michigan experience in Ann Arbor? Uh, <laughs> well, if you, as a Michigan fan, you know, day one, the, the, the one the one game that is circled on your calendar every year is the Ohio State-Michigan game. And I grew up, obviously, in Ohio, right? So it's, I'm on the, the in the battlegrounds there in Toledo. So the the first thing, most important thing I ever cared about was beating Ohio State. And to get that win in, in 2011 was, you know, a huge, you know, huge win and probably the highlight of my career. And then, as you mentioned later, that season we played in the Sugar Bowl, went down to New Orleans um, and uh, played Virginia Tech. Had We had a great game against Virginia, Virginia Tech, came down to a couple missed field goals and I think it went into overtime. But uh, it was just a fun way to cap a really big season. We're chatting with safeties coach Jordan Kovacs. You weren't drafted, but you signed with the Dolphins as a college free agent, and you made the team, playing for three NFL seasons. The defensive backs coach at the time was Lou Anarumo. Describe what it was like to play for Lou. Yeah, I, I loved playing for Lou. You know, um, I guess just my perspective from being an undrafted free agent was, here we go again. I'm walking on again, and I wouldn't want it any other way. And uh, the one thing I always respected about Lou is it didn't matter how you got there. Um, You know, it was the same thing that my coaches at Michigan told me was the best players will play, the best players will make the team. doesn't matter if you're um, an undrafted free agent or if you're a seventh-round pick, it didn't matter. And um, I I did respect that about Lou. And uh, I really enjoyed working with Lou and Coach Coyle. Um, Mark Duffner was on the staff there. Zach Taylor was on the staff there. So it was a really good staff, and it was a lot of fun to play down there in Miami. How much did you interact with Zach since he was the quarterback's coach? <laughs> uh, <laughs> he probably got on my ass if I messed up his scout cards. I would say <laughs> 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 that was probably about the extent of the interactions. But, uh, no, he was great. I always had a lot of respect for Zach and the way that he, he carried himself and the way he coached the quarterbacks. Um, but, yeah, no, it was, it, was, it was obviously a great relationship and really the reason that I'm here today. Roughly 10 years later, has Lou changed? <laughs> Same Lou. Same Lou. You know, I think, you know, probably where I've seen the most growth is um, in how he leads a room. You know, I saw him as a player, and I was, you know, one of his players in his defensive backs room, and I knew he was a the leader then. And then just seeing him evolve and 
being able to run a whole defense, right? And I think that uh, he's just such a good coach. He's grown in a lot of ways, and I've always had a lot of respect for Lou. In your third year with Miami, there was a head coaching change. Dan Campbell took over as the interim head coach for the final 12 games of the season. We've all seen since he's been the uh, Lions head coach, the biting kneecap speech and some of the other amusing things that he's done. What was it like to play for Dan Campbell? I loved playing for Dan. Um, he is very much, he's from the old school Bill Parcells tree. And it, from day one, I'll never forget when he took over. I think we, he took over on the bye week. And it was very much competitions every day. We're going to compete in something. And early on in that bye week, it was Oklahoma drill. It was some tackling drills that you don't do in the NFL anymore. And then eventually by you know a few weeks down the road, it was a a pie-eating contest. It was a frisbee-throwing contest. But there was always some some element of competition. And, uh, again, I have a lot of respect for, for Dan, the way that he's run things or that he, that he did run things. And I'm, it's not surprising at all to me um, the level of success that he's had as the head coach of the Lions. We're chatting with safeties coach Jordan Kovacs. When did you get the coaching bug? Oh, that's a great question. I would say um, it was early in my playing career at Michigan. Um, you know, I, I, had, I played under Brady Hoke and I just had a lot of respect for the way I love the way that he interacted with players and the, the influence that I felt like he had on kids and that he had on his players. And he was a father figure to a lot of guys. And, um, I just, you know, I, I remember one day in warmups, warmups, just watching coach Hoke walk around interacting with the guys and thinking, you know what, I think that's what I want to do one day. You know, I want to. I want to lead. Uh, I want to be. A, I want to be a, a football coach and a leader of men. And um, you know, he's certainly a guy that I've always looked up to. You played safety in college and in the NFL, and you're going to be coaching the safeties and other members of the secondary now here in Cincinnati. But since you've been here, you've coached different positions. You've been with the linebackers the last few years. Was that by design, and has it helped your overall understanding? Yeah, I think that that's kind of how I always approached this thing. You know, um, I knew early as a young coach that it would be beneficial for me to just be exposed to as much of the game as I could, especially on the defensive side of the ball. And Frank, I'll take you back even further. When I first got into coaching, I worked uh, at Michigan as a, as a GA under Coach Harbaugh, and I told Coach I wanted to work with the defensive line, and that was uh, where Greg Madison was coaching at the time. And um, you know, the defensive line really the the line of scrimmage is so much different than anything that I'd ever been exposed to. And it really took me a long time to really see and feel what you're coaching up front. Um, but looking back, that was invaluable. It probably took me months to really understand what good technique looked like. And um, it, it, it has proven to be invaluable. And then, yeah, getting here, I'm talking with Zach. He, wanted, he and I both thought it would be beneficial for me to be in the linebacker room. And, yes, I've done that for five years now. And um, I do think that, that does, it does bring a lot of um, valuability to uh, my perspective now from the defensive backs room, just knowing how those linebackers are coached, where they're going to be, and we're all tied together. So, yes, you know, starting from the front all the way to the back, it's, it's uh, proven to be invaluable, I think. So now that you've taken over as the Bengals safeties coach, let's discuss the safeties, beginning with your fellow Michigan Wolverine, Dax Hill. How would you characterize his first season as a starter last year? Yeah, you know, it's obviously experience is the most important thing in, in anything, and especially in the National Football League. And uh, he's, he's, he's been great. He's got the skill set, right? Dax is 
Um, he, 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 he can cover, and that doesn't, you know, that's not easy to come by for safeties. Um, he's had high highs. He's made some really good plays, and I'm sure he'd, he'd be the first to tell you that there's a few plays that he'd like back, but that's what happens when you're a young safety. Um, and he's done a great job just kind of trying to get a little better uh, over the course of the season. So I, I have high expectations for Dax. I'm looking forward to working with him, and I expect him to make even bigger strides this year. I know he played a lot of slot corner his final year at Michigan. Is that a big transition? Yeah, I mean, anytime you're going from nickel to safety, um, there, there is a transition and there's a learning curve. And, you know, once you're on the back end of this thing, you're um, really this, the, the quarterback of the defense. And I'm sure he's – or I know he's continuing to learn and grow there. And, um, you know, not, communication, in my opinion, is one of the areas that we've got to take a huge step forward, right? We're the, we're the quarterback. We're running the defense. We've got to communicate, make sure everybody's on the same page because you, you have a bust on the back end, and it's a, it's a touchdown, right? We can't afford those sorts of things, those sorts of miscommunications. So um, I expect them to, to do a great job in, in that area. Is communicating the biggest key to cutting down on some of the big plays allowed last year? Yeah, absolutely. Communication and tackling. I think those are two of the most important things that we can do on our back end. And uh, two areas that, again, we're looking to improve this year. Jordan Battle stepped in as a rookie. He started the final seven games of the season. How did he do? I, I thought he played played well for a rookie. You know, I think he did. Again, there's a, a lot – um, that comes with just playing time. And these guys are continuing to learn and continuing to get better. Uh, Jordan's a physical player. Uh, he's very comfortable in the box. He sees the game naturally. He's a, he's a good safety and, and, again, another guy that I'm looking forward to working with. So I think the official title is safeties slash secondary coach. You're working closely with cornerbacks coach Chuck Burks. Let's talk about the corners a little bit. You've got two talented young ones in Cam Taylor-Britt and D.J. Turner. Do you look at those two guys as potentially two of the better young cornerbacks in the NFL? Yeah, no doubt. I think um, really since Cam's been here, he's just uh, he's, he's, he's the real deal outside. He can cover, and I think what I like most about Cam is he, he's tough. You know, he'll come up and he'll hit you, he'll tackle, um, and he's the total package there. And then, yeah, D.J.'s obviously – um, same thing, you know, he's, he's, he's a guy that can run. He's got the skill set. Um, obviously, again, it was his rookie year, so there's some high highs or some low lows. That's, that's what happens when you're a rookie. And he has improved quite a bit over the course of the season. And a guy that, again, we look forward to getting in here this spring and continuing to work. So the combine is right around the corner. What will your responsibilities be when it comes to the draft? Uh, yeah, so I'll be working, obviously, with the safeties, um, I'm looking forward to really, you know, at the combine, you can kind of get up and get there, see them in person. You get to interact with them um, and, and interview each guy. So I'll be evaluating all the safeties and helping Chuck with the corners as need be. And, you know, again, I look forward to kind of get my hands on these guys and seeing them up close and personal. It's not easy to become a position coach at this level, the highest level of football. What's it mean to you to get this opportunity? I'm just grateful. You know, I'm excited. I'm really, really, really excited to just – work with these guys it's a fresh start for all of us and uh just grateful from zach and taylor and mr brown um and and lou anarumo just uh, for for the opportunity and i'm looking forward to making the most of it it seems like a great collaboration in this building what's it like to be a member of the bengals coaching staff yeah i think that that starts you know up top with with zach um you know it's all hands on deck 
he does a great job of he's an excellent leader just does a great job of um, delegating tasks and trusting in his coaches and uh, you know again I'm grateful for the opportunity and looking forward to it I know you have grinded hard to earn this opportunity. Congratulations, and we look forward to a visiting with you in the weeks to come. Thanks, Dan. I appreciate it. That's going to do it for this episode of the Bengals Booth Podcast, brought to you by Paycor, proud to be the Bengals' official HR software provider. By Alta Fiber, future-proof fiber internet designed to elevate your home, business, and community to a new level. And by Kettering Health, the best care for the best fans. Kettering Health is the official healthcare provider of the Bengals. If you haven't done so already, please subscribe to this podcast, and if you have a minute, give it a rating or share a comment. That helps more Bengals fans find us. I'm Dan Horde, and thanks for listening to the Bengals Booth Podcast.